This is Triathlon Therapy with your host, Danny McKenna, professional athlete and coach, Tim Reed, and... That's too much time. Look at Steve McKenna. Steve, what are you doing, Steve? That's too much time. Advantage Reed. If I wanted to be a 25-minute or less swimmer in a 70.3 race, what would the minimum number of training hours or kilometres per week be, generally speaking? Um, Clint's going to have a good answer. I'll just quickly oh. say it's not about the Ks you do. It's about maybe your mobility, uh, flexibility, um, swim stroke technique, uh, more than the amount you're doing. Yes. Knocked it out. Gold star, Stephen. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I, I, I would say... Um, yeah, it's not about hours or kilometers or anything like that. It's about because swimming compared to, or more so compared to riding and, and running, it's about technique and be, being it and limiting your your drag in the water and being as efficient as possible. And so, like, I think that the best answer is lots of easy swimming to learn because it's a like swimming's a pattern of how of how you do it and when you um. When you've learnt shit patterns by getting in the water and and going to squad four times a week and and it, with someone who doesn't know what they're doing and not helping you and they're just you're just hacking at the water twenty four seven you're just relearning those shitty techniques. So I I'd rethink the way you think about your swimming and it's like don't worry about hours, don't worry about kilometers, worry about being as efficient as you can and get it get as effective at your stroke as possible and then once you're good at it then under load or fatigue or or stress or whatever you want to call it when you're actually swimming hard you'll be efficient so to answer the answer it is yeah just spend time in the water at low intensity and thinking about swimming do your time do do your time with the techniques do six months of technique work and then start doing your big loads it's yeah you hear it a lot with um with people that say, nah, I just need to do more. It's a strength thing. I'm, I'm, it's a strength. And I'm like, look at you. You are built. You, look at you. You're, you. you're so much stronger than me. <laughs> yeah. And the other one, the other thing too is um, like people go, oh, yeah, but I just don't feel like I'm, uh, like I'm, I'm swim fit or, or, or I'm fit. And you're like, you look at what you do in a week. If you're doing 20 hours of training in a week and, and you're worried about not being fit enough to swim for 30, 25 minutes or like 30 minutes well you you're perfectly fit enough it's just that you ha- you you're incredibly inefficient when you get in the water like it, mm-hmm. it's um swimming's about efficiency not about um not necessarily about effort day in day out in the pool you see it all too often like the you know people can be incredibly motivated and they think i've got to swim 7k's you know every day and i've got to go to my squads and i've got to get these hard sessions and then all that's doing is just relearning and relearning and relearning that that shitty pattern that you've you've taught yourself so and uh, and the other one is find someone who really knows technique and and spend the time to work with them one on one or like I, like we always ask for videos because it's so funny when you say to someone, I'll send me a video of your swim stroke, like if you're working remotely with them and so often they get the video and they're like, I'm so embarrassed to send this. Is that really what I look like <laughs> in the water? Because 
they think they look amazing, but when you actually see what you're doing, you're like, wow, there's there's a lot there that can be worked on. So mm. work on it. Mm. Yeah. And that, that applies right for, for everyone, like including people like Steve. Like if Steve sent you a video today, Quinn, I'm sure like Steve would be like, what am I doing sort of thing? Like, it, it, No, my no one's perfect. Danny. Danny, my swim stroke is perfect. I just need to do more Uh, Like, If if Steve sent me a video and said, hey, this is me in the pool today, what can you see that's wrong? I'd probably say, well, you need some sun. You probably should put some sunscreen on. Uh, And why have you got a fin? Oh, wait, that's your nose. Why are you just grimacing all the time when you exercise? (laughs) Even the best people like, you can you can certainly be better right like you see and and without being cruel like even the best triathlete swimmers are so far away from the best swimmers like standalone swimmers and and it's probably something that when you start to spend some time around guys who are like right at the front of racing overall you're like they still are so ugly in the water it's just that it's moderately efficient and, and they've worked on the efficiencies enough and i get like that's another thing to touch on too with like swimming 25 minutes or, or getting good at swimming. You've got to work on the technique, but you've also got to be good at swimming in the open water, in a wetsuit, in a packed environment, uh, in different conditions, open water and stuff like that. But yeah, I, yeah, it's, I think everyone from top to bottom can benefit from yeah video analysis or someone actually knowing what they're talking about. Give an example. Shout out for Chad Norsworthy in Adelaide, who, um, who was proudly a two minute to two ten minutes um, freestyle swimmer per hundred, and has changed that to now be kind of competitive in the um, age group categories. Which is, I think he's he's around sub one forty pace in a in a race now, and all he's changed is going to see a local technique um, sort of guru. So. So um, in that situation, who... yeah, in that situation, Steve, like two minutes, there's obviously, shout out to Chad again, there's obviously some like <laughs> gross inefficiencies in what he's doing, right? Like he, he's obviously there's some really big things that can be fixed. And so in his situation, he's going to be fit enough. Like I said earlier, he's going to be fit enough to to swim really well. It's just he's got to learned the patterns as efficiently as possible so going to a pool and trying to hack out 5k's of like threshold work there's like next to no point because you're just reiterating that 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 shitty pattern and so for for chad that's the best move and for like a lot of triathletes it's the best move is um is work on doing it well slowly and easily and then when you need to you'll be better at it when it's hard yeah, oh, he was so simple when he thought about it. He's like, I'm a great runner. I'm a great bike rider. Um, so I know I'm fit and, I'm, and he's strong. He's an ex-footballer um, at a high level. So it's it doesn't make sense to not be fit in the water as well. Um, he's got efficient heart and lungs. So now he's working on it and he's just going to keep working on it. Um, so I think all the thrashing um, at a, a inefficient swim stroke, all it's doing is making your bike and run faster (laughs) because of all that threshold work (laughs) and you're getting more and more frustrated with the with 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 swimming because you see it all the time like people just get so frustrated with swimming and like 
they keep showing up because they're incredibly motivated and they're not seeing seeing um, yeah. improvement. So I get for the people who don't have access to either coaches or um, you know squads who actually care because there's a lot of who don't. Um, I would say film yourself. I always tell people get the lifeguard. Become friends with the lifeguard and just get him to be the pervert on the side of the pool filming you because you're whatever you think you're doing when you see footage of it, you're like, ah, oh, here I was, yeah. I was Huckle Phelps and I look like Eric the Eel. You know, so <laughs> it's you know, if you can film yourself often and just then you go to the pool and think about what you've seen. Something um, uh, stuck with me when we had Apple on as well in regards to the swimming and and he said he'd rather swim six or seven times um, or every day in a week yeah. for three yeah. kilometres than swim three, five or six kilometre sessions in that week. Total, uh, totally agree. The water and stuff. Yeah. And then you're also not doing, you're not putting, like obviously Apo is a lot fitter than most and a lot more efficient in the water. But um, for people who aren't that efficient, like there's no point going and doing 7Ks because you do 2K of it well and then 5Ks of it terribly. So if you go every day, small and often, then you're not doing it under fatigue. What kind of training simulations do you do to determine how much fuel an athlete should consume straight out of the swim on race day? That's a broad one. Um, different strokes for different folks. Um Depending conditions, depending on what water you're swimming in, depending on how much you sweat, depending on how hard you swam, all those things. But it is something that you've, you've got to take into account when you get straight out of the water and have to ride hard, especially in like if you've swallowed a bit of salt like in salty water. Um, yeah, you've got, to, you've got to back off your electrolytes a little bit at the start to um make sure that you're not overloading and shutting things down um so what specific sessions specific sessions i mean if you want them to if you want to swim if you know you're going to go to like on before cans we'll always get people to to swim in their wetsuit and swim pretty solid and see how much they lose weight wise over the distance or half the distance and it's just a, a good reminder or like if you're swimming in if you know that it's going to be a pretty um rough swim like for like the pros if you know there's going to be a lot of athletes there and you're going to get bashed up and you have swallowed a little bit of water you've just got to be adaptable with your plan as you get on the bike so to answer the question knowing your range of what you're going to have on race day or being very um diligent with your training of of your race nutrition but also being adaptable to heat how much water you might have swallowed in the swim um how hard you had to swim all those things along the way make um yeah that's that's where you need to make the changes but you just need to be practicing it so race simulations for race simulations you know you need to be practicing that all the time um it's you get it all the time the guys who are really diligent with all that stuff are the ones who who make less mistakes on race day. So race simulation to know what you need to do on race day. <clears throat> yeah, I agree with that. You, 
you know, do you get this message a lot, Clint, where um, there's a loss of confidence from a runoff the bike, and it's usually an indoor bike that they lose their confidence with their running. They they go, oh, it was terrible. My heart rate was so high. I felt heavy. I don't know why, but I'm not very fit right now. And you're like, no, judging on how much you've been doing consistently, you are very fit right now. But yeah. maybe two liters in the last three hours on a trainer ride just wasn't enough. So experiment by having two bottles an hour instead of half a bottle an hour. Oh. And then the run, it's weird. You drink more, you think you'd be heavier, but you'll actually be way lighter. Mate, I, I've really moved to like getting people to be super diligent with their weigh-in pre and post. I don't care what the number is. I don't care how heavy people are. I just care about losses. And the, it's like the, the guys and girls who do it often are the ones who, you know, it might be seven degrees outside and they still drink X amount and they go, oh, I kept it level today. And then the next week it might be 30 and they drank the same and they're like, wow, I lost heaps. And they just, scales are a good tool. Like it's a good learning tool, right? They just learn to um, to be adaptable in the conditions, but also learn how much they're actually sweating because so many people get it wrong, especially indoors. But if you've just got your scales there, you weigh in before the session, you know, you might do an hour, you might do two hours, whatever you do, you weigh, as you get off, just dry yourself off quickly, weigh in, and then you go and do your run away again. I might need to see the number all the time, but what it means is they go, oh, but I drank like, I, I, I did, had like three liters in that two hours and I still lost weight as he takes a drink of his bottle. But yeah, it's, um, yeah, that's, people just need to be on top of that, right? Sean Conway just completed 105 Ironmans in 105 days. What's the craziest stretch of training you've done? Yeah, I've seen I've seen a bit of it. Um, yeah, I can't wrap my head around it. Him or the Iron Cowboy thing. I, I yeah, I don't. It does not make any sense to me. <laughs> um, what the what was the question? So the question was, what's the craziest stretch of training? Um, yeah, no, nothing even that is close to comparable. Um, I think the only, yeah, I did my first Ironman off five. I'd done one seventy point three, and I won an entry to a to an Ironman, and I did it off five weeks. That was probably the stupidest thing. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, nothing like uh, yeah. I've never done a hundred Ironmans in a hundred days. Um, <laughs> I've got nothing interesting to say there. I've done 29 hours a week, like four weeks in a row once into Bustleton last year. And um, I was on, I was on the limit. <laughs> yeah, well, that, uh, that's the thing, right? Like I, I, we all, we all have different limits. We all have different, you know, external stresses, whatever it is. Like I, I just can't work out how someone could show up. 102 days in a row to do like he's obviously not doing them in nine hours um so yeah i have nothing to go even close to that story and i'm mm. proud that i don't yeah because <laughs> yeah. i know i know now from experience these these things like that they sound so cool in practice and like oh so i want to just suffer all day and i want to do an ultra and and i just want to feel that pain and, and then you get to that pain on like a six-hour ride and you go fuck this 
this is horrible. Yeah, yeah so, mate, like no. I, tr- I tried to keep it like um, I tried to keep it pretty positive, but like <laughs> I see that stuff, and I, I just I just think if you talk to that that guy or the Iron Cowboy or or people who uh, attack these goals, if you peel back the layers a bit, I think there's something going wrong. <laughs> Like I, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know if they're actually actually doing it for the love of triathlon or for the love of, yeah. I, so I, I do, I'll leave, I do I'll leave respect. I respect the mental space that they can get into to continue, even though the, the fatigue would be just absolutely crazy. But what I say to some people who have these, um, you know, like if if um, this is a lifestyle now for someone and they love training. They love swim, bike, run. I, do, I want to do it every day. I say, okay, if you want to do it every day, then don't do that ultra because that means you can't do it every day. That means you're either going to get injured and you can't do it for a few months or you can't do it for two weeks afterwards. So I say do do ultras here and there, but if you just randomly say, I want to ride 400K this weekend just because it would be a good challenge, then you're taking away from all the other days that you want to do what you love. So... I feel like definitely do them here and there if they're for charity, but 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 if you want to do Ironmans and seventy point threes and you love the lifestyle, you're giving up that lifestyle for a period if you get injured. I'll I'll go once more and say and just say if <laughs> one of my athletes came to me and said, "Hey, I've got this plan. I want to do hundred and two Ironmans in hundred and two days." I think I'd just stare for a bit and I'd just say. <laughs> Bring it on! Bring it on in, man! Bring it on in, and we just we just hug it out. Yeah, and we, we just we just and then we just get down to what's truly going on in life. <laughs> yeah, because really, for half your clients, maybe you're a therapist anyway, Clint. Oh. No, Steve. No. <laughs> no, but like people, I, I find um, uh, if you're a coach and you give a lot of love, that's kind of mostly what um, people need. They need um, the to feel obliged to train, and they need the um, the structure. But they also need to talk about everything, and yet they end up talking about a lot more than triathlon. I find so. Oh, totally, um, mate, totally. And so I, we, like, yeah. I talk, we talked to Reed, I, like I talked to Reedy about this last week, and like there's a level of there's a level that you, you have to know a bit about life like about what's going on outside of swim, bike and run. You have to, to do a good job, especially when they're trying to achieve. Like if you were like, I'll put it like this. If you and Reedy didn't know each other and it was just strictly transactional and he didn't even know your wife's name or your kid's situation or something, he'd be like, why are you always sick? Like what's going on here? Like why don't you got to make chat? But he knows enough about your life situation to effectively train you well or as well as you can. So, yeah, you do need to know about people's people's life outside, their work, their relationships, their mm. their financial stresses, you know, because <clears throat> if someone's going to go to a race and, and they're like, oh, I really want to do it, and you know they're stretching the friendship with their partner or finances or what, they're not going to do that well. You know, they go there with these this this stress in the back of their mind where they're not recovering because they're not sleeping. You know, so it it is part of our job, like to to know not only the swim, bike, and run stress, but the one hundred percent life stress, which isn't just swim, bike, run. Yeah, and it's an, it does become an intimate uh, relationship, 
in a non-sexual way. Uh, <laughs> in most cases, but not for Quinn. Oh. He has a few. He has a few. But you have to get along with them. You have to have a close relationship. And, and for that reason, they trust you with a lot of information. And yeah, you. Um, it's a, a the wrong way to put it is that you're a part-time therapist as well. But but you know, if you were joking, you would say that. But you have to yeah, yeah. Um, know what to say. Um, and you've heard this similar things here and there. So, um, but it's yeah. Very, yeah, it's very true. Like it's um, you say it in a joking way, but it's very it's very true. And like I'll I give the example sometimes where some people you ring and say how are you, and, and they give you an answer and you'll halve it because you're like always with the dramatization and then others you've got to ask five times like hey going now yeah, i'm good so how's things no it's it's all going well you're tired no how's how's work mm-hmm. stress oh no it's it's okay you've been sleeping oh so you're a bit tired y- yeah yeah i'm a little bit tired <laughs> then so if you don't yeah. know the if you don't know the person then you wouldn't know to ask five times so yeah yeah you do you do yeah. become a part-time therapist but that's that's part of the job but yeah, that and that's no offense to the people that need that. Just open up because uh, th- those that aren't, you're not getting the most out of your coach. Yeah, um, that's and we're not saying end, we're therapists. We're just here yeah. to help. Just tell in us. the end, once we know, it helps you get the best result for that person. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I've cried to Reedy so many times, and all. <laughs> <laughs> and we are going well. <laughs> <laughs> Picks and troughs, but we're okay. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's an intimate one as well, sexually. <laughs> Always. I get Steve. so much out Always. of it. <laughs> I've ruined the podcast again. Always. Sorry. Always. I, for, for everyone out there that's listened and thought, God, it's so informative when Clint talks and um, not when Steve, <laughs> I, I just can't help but um, make a joke out of everything. I promise. I've I back up everything Clint says and Reedy. <laughs> I um I do know some things. I just prefer to have a laugh. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, no offense to the people that are in sexual relationships with their coaches. Hey boys, hope you're well. Uh, just a quick one for Rick, question for the podcast. Uh, as we all know, we've heard you're uh, a sticker of the uh, the old Aero Gangs, and I uh, just want to know, with you being a school king and all, as they say, um, how much that's contributed to your Aero dominance on the bike through your uh, your big periods. Uh, can you hear from you, boys? Uh, have a good one. So that was that was uh, basically yeah. Reedy's an aero nerd, um, and he's been absolutely obsessed with it for years. Um, how much has that contributed to his success over the years? Um, if he was on here, he'd probably give you um, a, a, an answer that's I don't know. Probably doesn't want to sound like. Uh, to up himself, but it really would have early on, like um, in his career, when you're when you're obsessed like by stuff like that, and you're actually doing your own testing and testing tires, testing helmets, you know, all those things along the way, it makes them it made a massive difference. I'd say like 
2014, the year that Sebi won Hawaii, he was so far ahead of the game in terms of the guys he was competing against that because uh, no one was going to the wind tunnel. No one knew about like different textiles on your sh suits. No one knew about putting a bottle down your front, you know, all those things. It's um, so to answer that question, how much did it, um, did it affect Reedy's racing over the years? I I'd say it was heaps. Like he was obsessive about the aero gains, which, would certainly lead to quicker bike times, which leads to more wins. But yeah, it's um, and him saying that that Reedy was a short king. How much did that help the the aero side of things? Actually, being like small and compact makes it a lot easier to be aero. If you're a, a massive stick figure, um, you're just so open to specifically like elbow to shoulder, the gap that you've got to try and fill um where the airflow comes through it can be really hard to get a low a low cda so being a short king probably um probably helped him in several ways when it came to the racing i reckon so too but on a flat course you have an advantage as a big guy because you have more power yeah. so there's there's a trade-off you, you want more you can have more power or you can be small with less power um, so there's there's still positives to both sides, and and um, you can still work on your mobility and stretching and everything as a big guy and try and get a little bit more slippery. It, but yeah, this, it, it, this year right. in this is going to be um, it's going to be interesting. Hey, like the different course, the different how much different body shapes will play into or, or weight of people power to weight how much that's going to play into the dynamics of the race um it's going to be really interesting just having all the hitters there and seeing how much power the small guys have to push compared to the big guys um yeah that's going to be super interesting i've yeah. heard a lot of people talking on other podcasts and wherever else um that and naming in actual pro athletes and, and questioning why they're planning to go to nice at all because you know the bike is probably their weakest of the three legs do you think it is that straightforward with Nice and the bike course? Like, if you've if you're not that strong on the bike, don't bother, or it's just not I, that straightforward. Man, I wouldn't say so much like being strong on the bike, but being able to handle a bike certainly. Like you saw it, Nice seventy point three worlds. I think um, the gaps just exploded down the hill more so than up the hill because everyone can ride uphill above where they actually should. Um, but yeah, the downhills, if you can't handle a bike and handle a bike well, you know, I think you're going to be, you're going to have your back against the wall. But um, no, I mean, race dynamics, like different size guys and whatever. Yeah, it might be, but everyone speculates, right? Like, why would you not turn up and just, you know, if you're the fittest you've ever been and the race might play perfectly to you, like a bigger guy might get a good group and go up the hill or like, yeah, you never know. So it's it will be interesting to watch, but I think it's if I was someone who was like, oh, I'm thinking about going, I'm not going to just, if I can handle a bike, I'd still go, but if I couldn't handle a bike, I wouldn't.